So tonight, Genesis 1, part 6, day 5. We're on day 5. And uh, she probably put some fancy words up there. Nope, she left them out. Good. Oh, no, there are. Okay, good. Good. Uh, I did some in-depth study on a few things in here. And you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised that a lot of commentators come to the same conclusion on this that I did when I was reading it. And I was like, this is great. Uh, so we're going to read day five and we'll get started. Genesis chapter one, starting at verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life and fowls that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the water brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the first day, or the fifth day, excuse me, not the first day, the fifth day. Amen? Amen. So we're going to start this. I have just a few notes to read. I'm going to read a couple notes, and then we'll get started with uh, some explanation. But first, I wanted to read this note. Having previously described the creation of the water, remember when the creation of the water was? Anybody? 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 Day Two. Day two. Day two was the creation of the water, I believe. Let's go back and make sure. We don't we don't have to we don't have to guess. I believe you have your Bible right in front of you, right? No, it's yeah, it's the second day. Day two. Let the firmament be gathered in the midst of the waters and let the uh, let it divide the waters from the waters. That's day two, right? Created the, the firmament created what? When he separated the waters from the water, what did he create? He created the sky and the seas, right? So we have two spaces to fill, right? So the first realization is God now on day five is filling what he started on day two. Pretty simple, right? On day, on day two, he created the firmament, which divided the waters from the waters and gathered the seas. Go ahead. No, he divided the waters on the second day. He divided them. He created the firmament on the second day, which divided the waters from the waters and created the sea and the sky, right? Yeah, yeah. The water was actually already there. Remember we talked about that day one, you know, where he was saying the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep and there was, right? Right, right. So... On day two, he divided the waters, but now on day four or five, he's filling what he, because when we started on day one, the water was already there. It was formless and void, right? And days one, two, and three, what's he doing? He's forming everything after that, right? He's giving it shape, giving it dimension, right? And then he starts on day three, he, he makes the sun and the moon and the stars, 
and they're up there, right? We can, can we all agree if we went outside when it's dark, there's sun, well, not sun at night, but you know what I mean. The moon and the stars are going to be out there if we walk out the front door, right? So he created them, and now he's going to start filling the firmament with the birds that are going to fly, and he's going to fill the waters. Amen? Now, what I noticed here, too, and, I mean, they make an obvious note here, which is fine, but there's some good things in here, too. It says that this section focuses on how they are filled with the appropriate creatures of different kinds. As reproductive organisms, they are blessed by God so that they may be fruitful and fill their prospective regions. And that's precisely what's happening here, right? God made the, the firmament, the sky, and then he made the seas, right? And now he's filling them. This is an obvious statement, right? Uh, the King James Study Bible actually has a pretty good note on this, too. It says the fifth day events complete those of day two. Filling the newly formed heaven domain above and the watery region below. Pretty basic statement, right? I want to read for you uh, just a few notes that I jotted down, okay? Uh, number one, we're seeing the sky and the sea. Well, what is the sky? Anybody? The firmament, what the King James says, right? And the sea being filled. Number two, living creatures and birds are made from water, right? Know what it says? That, doesn't that give you that idea that that's what's happening? Now, there's some people that are going to say, could the, creature, could the water creatures have been made from the water and the birds from the air? And if I could for just a second break this down in, in uh, uh, Genesis out of the King James, it says, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life and the fowls that may fly above the earth. Now, somehow they put a distinction in there that the fowls are just like spoken out of the air or something. You know what I mean? But no commentary really holds to that. You know what I mean? Most commentaries are seeing it as the waters are bringing forth the living creatures that are in them and the fowls of the air. Uh, could... Uh, or is it simply naming them from the spaces and dom domains that they will have it, uh, inhabit? So uh, they're basically saying maybe the, the water brings forth the fish and everything, and then the air brings forth the birds, which I'm not going to get into an argument over that. But in reality, the, the text really basically lays it out that the fish and the birds come from the water. You know what I mean? Uh, now, I wouldn't die on that hill and say, oh, no, they have to come from the water. If I get to heaven and God says, no, I made them from the air, then I'll obviously be okay with that, right? But just reading the text, it sounds like they came from the water, right? Now, I want to read you a little bit of what Calvin said right here because he thinks the same thing, okay? <clears throat> oh, got to get on the right page. It says, 
uh, regarding verse 20, let the waters teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. On the fifth day, the birds and the fish were created. The blessing of God is added so that they themselves may produce offspring. Here it is different kind of propagation than that of the herbs and the trees. Their power of giving life or multiplying in the plants is germination in its seed. But here the generation takes place that they multiply by means of reproduction. Uh, it seems it seems unreasonable that Moses declares birds have come from water. But although uh, where does it start? And therefore is seized upon no, that's not where I want. Okay, here we go. But although there appears no reason but that it pleased God would not it become for us to acquiesce to his judgment. Why should God not create the birds from the waters who created the world from nothing? He's like, what big, what is the, what's the big deal with God created birds from water if God created the whole earth from nothing? Okay, that's not a big feat is what he's saying. He's, he's like, what does it matter really is where he's going with this. He says, uh, being... Uh, uh, why should it? Why should not God, who created the world from nothing, bring about birds out of the water? And what greater absurdity has the origins of birds from water than light from darkness? It's a good question. Is it? it he's saying it's no more absurd that light would come out of darkness. He's saying so. Birds coming out of water is not that big a deal. In other words, you know what I mean? Because apparently in his day. This was a big deal where people were going, no, you know, scientifically water creatures live in the water, birds live in the air, so birds have to come from the air. Now, some people might think that way, okay? In the grand scheme of things, I don't think it is a uh, big, deep theological concern, <laughs> okay? I just wanted to give you some of the goofy stuff that I found while I was reading about this, okay? Because... I, I can see Mike and me getting into argument over stuff like that, though. Given the, given the ending of last, you know, Sunday night service, you know, I'm pretty sure me and him can handle that. <laughs> now, I think we both agree that they came from water, right? The birds and the fish, did they both come from water? Yeah, does, do you think that's what it says? No, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. I would say probably not. You don't think birds came from the air? Oh, you don't think birds came from water? Okay, and it could be, okay? What I'm saying is that apparently Calvin was having this debate too, okay? Now, concerning what me and you were talking about, I spent a whole day looking that up, and you know, not one commentator ever, as far back as the first century, broached that subject. I couldn't find anybody, an actual commentary, somebody who sat down and purposely wrote a doctrine for the church that talked about that. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. Now, I, I found a lot of people who were believers who talked about it, but not a church doctrine 
that talked about that. You know what I mean? And that's what I was specifically looking for, and that's kind of what I was specifically saying, is all, anybody can believe what they want about that, but I can't teach that as a doctrine. You see what I mean? So in this, I don't think that I would get up and teach as doctrine that birds came from the water or the air, <laughs> okay? That's, that's what I'm getting at, is I don't think that would be one of those hills that I would plant my flag and say, give me both barrels. <laughs> but it is interesting to talk about, right? And if you're me and Mike, me and Mike can take the little interesting thing that's interesting to talk about it and talk about it for three days. <laughs> Can't we? <laughs> but it was fun. Now, you did, uh, to your credit, you made me go look up a whole bunch of stuff the last two days, okay? I'm just telling you. Maybe you made me go look up a whole bunch of stuff. So here we're seeing birds and uh, fish being created, right? Uh, I wanted to read a little note that I found in Gordon Winham's uh, commentary on this verse in Genesis, uh, Gordon J. Winham says, across the firmament, and I don't know where he's reading that from, like NASB or something maybe, uh, where the birds are flying across. From the ground, birds appear to fly against the background of the sky, and this is one of the indications in the narrative that it is written from, uh, this is an indication in the narrative that the narrative is written from the perspective of a human observer. And I would agree with the understanding that there, although people see stuff in the sky, I don't know that we always know how it's operating. Amen? So I think that's a good observation. Uh, going to verse 21, which is where I really wanted to go tonight because I spent quite a bit of time looking up three main Greek word or Hebrew words here that uh, verse 21 says and God created now I just want you to think about this and you can go look back in your Bible right now this is the first time since verse 1 the word created has been used this is the first time since verse 1 that the word created has been used and the Hebrew word that is used right there is bara B-A-R-A. -A. That's how it's spelled in English. Uh, the Hebrew word there means to create. Okay? Every other verse that talks about God made uses the uh, Hebrew word uh, Asa. The word Asa means to make or to, uh, what's the word I use? To fashion. In other words, it's like something that's already there that you're forming, which was what was happening on it. Well, if you go to verse seven of this chapter, what was it saying? And God made the firmament. Okay. That word is Asia or Asa is probably the more correct Hebrew pronunciation. Okay. Uh, if you want the bara, the Strong's Hebrew uh uh, number for this is H1254. It means to create. Uh, Asa, the Hebrew word in the Strong's uh, concordance, is 
H6213. I just, uh, when I read that, I was like, man, this is the first time that this is mentioned. And in your Bible, Mike, we're going to read this note here. It says, in great whales, literally sea monsters, this Hebrew word tannin, and I looked that up too, is also translated serpent in Exodus 7, 9, dragon in Deuteronomy 32, 33, Psalm 74, 13, Isaiah 27, 1, 51, 9, in this context, the word designates all large mammals and fish of the sea. The reuse of the verb created, and here they point this out, bara from verse 1, emphasizes God's authority over the large sea creatures. This points to what was especially significant in the ancient Israelites' culture, whose neighbors worshipped Rahab, the mystical or mythical god of the sea. Okay, why? Remember why we talked about why Moses was writing some of these things, why he was adding, why he didn't even write the sun and the moon, right? He didn't use those words because the people around him worshipped the sun and the moon. That's why he said greater light and lesser light so that he would draw a distinction from Yahweh and them other gods. Amen. So here he's doing the same thing in using the term created for these monsters because these monsters were thought to be like gods themselves, okay? Like the uh, monsters of the sea were gods to the people around them, okay? They worshiped those things as gods. So here he's saying God created those things in other words, those things aren't gods that God has to wage war against. Those things are subservient to the one true God. He's sovereign over those things. Amen. Uh, I just wanted to note the, the first thing that I noticed was the use of that Hebrew word bara to create since it had not been used since verse 1. Uh, up to this point, things are now being formed or made. And then day four, even, even in day four, if you look over at day four at verse uh, 16, I believe it says, and God made two great lights, right? That's the Hebrew word also formed. Why did he use that word? Because he already created light on day one. He made the light on day one. So on day four, he's just forming it or reforming it or giving it shape. Amen? Notice that there's another instance where God creates. Let us make. Right? That word make is create. Okay? Let us make man in our image. Okay? Let us make man in our image. Amen? Now, it would be, except when you go to verse 27 where it said, and God created man in his image. So God was saying, let us make man. But then in verse 27, he says, God created man. So the indication of that Asa is it's leading in to the bar. Okay. One verse in verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, uh, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so God created man. See, one verse he's saying make, but the next verse he's saying God created man. So he's drawing a distinction here, too, okay, that man, there was something different in man than there was in the cattle that came from the same dirt. Notice in verse 24, he says, let the earth bring forth cattle. Right? Verse 24 is, let the earth bring forth cattle. But he doesn't say that about us. He, he talks about making us, but then he does something different than he did with the animals because he creates us different. Amen? We're using a different word. The Hebrews loved using this distinction so that it would show you that man was the pinnacle of God's creation. Okay, we were the it. No, he is. He's made from the dust of the earth. But obviously, there was something different about what God did with us. Now, first of all, the first note, and we ain't even on day six, but I'll tell you this. God just spoke to the earth and said, let the earth bring forth cattle. But when God creates us, we find out that God gets down and forms us from the dust of the earth. He doesn't speak the human body into existence. If you're understanding that God puts in us something that is not in the animals, so he's doing something unique or different with us, okay? Uh, the idea of creation isn't necessarily in the dust. It's in the what he puts in humanity, the image of God that he makes us. That, that image of God that's in us is what makes us completely unique. Yes, that's the unique part. That's why he can say God created man, right? Instead of just fashioned uh, because he didn't even he didn't even use his I don't know how he formed man from the dust but I get this idea that God gets down and I know he doesn't have a body he, I know he's a spirit but somehow God does something uniquely different to form man because when he formed the animals all he did was speak them into existence exactly that's a whole nother day you gotta talk about that's a whole nother day so day four, we note that in verse 16, that God made this Hebrew word Asa or Asa, and it is used in verse seven as well. And it's talking about forming or just forming uh, things that were already existent. And God didn't do anything special or anything like that. That's how what he does with man is different. And we'll get to that on Sunday night. <laughs> Uh, number two thing that I noted while I was reading John H. Walton's commentary, he said something that I really liked and I wanted to read it to you. He said, while we may be inclined to identify these creatures as whales and sharks and the like, that is not what the Hebrew word tenonin would have communicated to its audience. Other uses of this word associated with 
the, the chaos monsters that were believed to inhabit the cosmic waters. So, for instance, and I want you to turn your Bible to Psalm 90, uh, Psalm 74, excuse me, Psalm 74. Psalm chapter 74. I'm going to finish reading this. He says, so, for instance, Psalm 74, verse 13 through 14, puts the Leviathan, a multi-headed beast, in the same category as Tannin, or great whales, as we translate it in English. Okay? Psalm 74, we're going to read verse 13 and 14. <clears throat> says this thou didst divide the seas by thy, by thy strength thou breakest the head of the dragons in the waters thou breakest the head of Leviathan in pieces and givest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness now, this dragon, this leviathan are the same word. They are tenonin, okay? So when the Hebrew people would have heard this, they wouldn't have instantly thought of whales and sharks. They would have thought about, number one, probably the ancient myths of the people around them who worshipped the God of Rahab or whatever, the one we just read out of the King James Study Bible, right? Said that they worshiped that sea creature. And they would have thought about the different Canaanite cultures that worshiped sea gods as well, okay? So when he talks about God creating those great sea creatures, he's drawing the emphasis that God is sovereign over them. Because if you know the Canaanite story, those sea gods had to go to battle to create life, okay? And God didn't have to battle anything. He created those monsters and everything that lived in the sea. He's drawing a distinct difference between their God, Yahweh, and the different gods around them. That's what he's doing. Uh, we see here that God is not in battle with the monsters or false gods to create the universe. But that these monsters, great whales, great sea creatures, are only created beings subject to his sovereignty for the purpose of filling the waters. He created the waters. This again draws distinction between Yahweh and creation and the creation in Genesis to those false gods and false legends that were surrounding Israel in the wilderness and Egypt from where they had just been delivered. Remember who's writing this? Moses, right? He's, he's giving you the creation story and he's showing you the difference in this culture in what God really did and all these other false gods and false stories that surrounded them. Do you know that Egypt worshipped false gods? Water gods, right? So when he's talking about these gods or these monsters, I'm sure the people that he had just taken out of Egypt probably had some false gods in their mind that they were thinking about. You know what I mean? And they went, I'm sure it was a shock to them. They're like, oh, God is over those things. 
right? You see how it could draw a distinction in the ancient Hebrew mind of, of they came out of Egypt and they knew about this God that the Egypt's, Egyptians worshipped in the water and this God and they, they knew they called them these great sea monsters or leviathans or whatever you want to call them. This word Tannin meant that thing. And here Moses is saying God created those things. Amen. So he's drawing, a, he's drawing a, an important distinction on God's sovereignty over even the scary deep sea monsters, right? Like God even made those, right? He's sovereign over those things. Amen? They, they might have pictured Megalodon. I'd, I'd have peed all in that sea if I'd have saw Megalodon. I promise you. <laughs> Verse, I need to get back to scripture. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, going to verse 22. I read this, and I was kind of beside myself when I read it. But if you read the, the King James note here, Mike, on verse 22, it says, This is the first of three blessings that God pronounced. The first of three blessings God pronounced in, creation, in the creation narrative when God blesses the water animals, and the birds. This blessing is similar to the blessing that he gives on the person, but lacks the command to subdue or have dominion over. And if you just skip over to verse 28, we can read this, what, he's, what they're talking about. When God creates man, he said he blessed him, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over every living thing that moveth on the face of the earth. Amen? Now, I, that got me to thinking. Well, it says the first of three blessings. How long is it going to take you to figure out what the third blessing is? We got the blessing on the water and the, the, the sea creatures and the fowl of the air. We got the blessing on man. Where's the third one? The seventh day. That's right. God blessed the seventh day. That ends the creation narrative, right? Am I wrong? On a seventh day ends the creation narrative, right? And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, right? So the seventh day was the last of the three blessings that they were talking about. And while I was reading that, I mean, I, I don't know how uh, theologically significant it is, but it's still neat to think that there was three blessings given in, in the creation narrative. The birds and the fish got one, we got one, and then the seventh day got one. Amen? So, I think that tells you God obviously believes we're important, right? Blessed us, told us to replenish the earth. Blessed the fowls in the air and the fish of the sea. Do you know what most people in Jesus' day ate for meat? What'd they eat? They ate a lot of fish. They ate a lot of fish. Number one, they did have sheep and goats and stuff in Jesus' day. And they ate those, but they did a lot more than that with them, didn't they? They had to sacrifice once a, once a week or once a, a big sacrifice once a year. But whenever they went to the temple, they still had to bring an offering, right? They didn't walk around with, you know, credit cards and, uh, you know, uh, 
paper money. They walked around with goats and stuff, turtle doves and finches and whatever, you know what I mean, that, that the law said they had to bring, right? That's what they gave. So a big part of their meat that they could have used to eat, they used for sacrifice. So they supplement their diet with what? Fish. Lots of fish. Matter of fact, that's why Catholics today, when they go on Lent, they eat fish. Did you know that? You know why? Because Israelites, when they were fasting from certain things, fish were one of the things that they could eat. That's why. They, they weren't allowed to eat any certain meats during certain times of the year, but fish was one of those things they could eat pretty much all the time with, without, with, with a few exceptions. Oh, they do. We can get into that later, how they think they replace Israel and all, but <laughs> we can talk about that later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to note was that here again on day five, we have the same thing happening again, evening and the morning. Amen. So for all of those people that talk about, and I'm going to say it again and again, that the, a day is not, it could be, it could be a 24 hour, it could be 2,000 years. No, I don't have a 2,000 year evening and a morning. Amen. You got an evening and a morning. You got a 24-hour period. Amen. Evening and morning is a 24-hour period. So let's talk about a few things. We'll rewind real quick, and I'm just going to reiterate first couple points. Number one, we're seeing the, the newly created firmament and the newly created seas being filled. Amen. We're also seeing that the uh, God here uses the word uh, 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 bara. Moses used the word bara about what God does with these creatures in the deep. You know, he's saying he creates them, not just he formed them. So that's pretty significant that God on day, uh, uh, well, just think about this. God creates the great sea creatures and stuff, but he just makes cattle. Let that, let that sink in. Like he, he, he just forms them. But with the birds and, and, and the fish, he. Amen? What it says? What it says? Number two, we also see that the Israelites, when they heard this, would have thought probably specifically about some cultural things around them or the gods that they used to worship when they came out of Egypt, Right? Or the, at least the gods that the Egyptians worshipped, right? And they would have made a connection there with those great beasts, those tannins, and they would have that would in their mind they'd have been like, oh, our Yahweh's over these gods, right? That's it's putting a distinction in their mind that Yahweh is sovereign over all gods. There's that's why he goes on from this point, and when you get into Exodus, I am the Lord thy God, there is none beside me. Amen. Why? Because they're all under him. Amen? There's none beside him because they're all under him. Amen? Uh, right. And then lastly, uh, we see that there are three blessings in creation. And I thought that was interesting enough to bring up that 
birds and the fish got a blessing, we got a blessing, and the seventh day got a blessing. Amen? So in this, we're about to get to the pinnacle, and you'll notice in your Bible that day six is a lot longer than every other day as far as the, if you're looking at how many verses it takes up, uh, it's from verse, what, 23 to the end of the, how many verses are in there? 24, 24, uh, so the end of the yeah, I believe so. Right, so you, you get, what, nine, eight or nine verses there that it's day, huh? You do the math. I'm terrible at it, okay? I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many times the moon come up in one 24-hour period. Don't, don't trust me with math, okay? <laughs> seven verses? Right, you get seven verses. But again, he's explaining two things that are being created. Number one, the cattle and the beasts of the field, and then how he creates man. And notice that in this one, he says, male and female created he them, in the image of God created he them. Right? Or created he him. But either way, it's going to be a longer study. I might have to talk a little faster. I might have to learn how to be like one of those uh, 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 auctioneers. Yeah. Thanks, Tabby. That's true. It was close. It was close on, this, on that one. But again, it had two things that were being filled. You had the fish and the birds. You know what I mean? So it was two things, technically two spaces being filled, right? Now, he's creating the animals from the same place that we are, but we're noticing that we have dominion over them. Amen? So there's something distinct in man, and we'll talk about that. Amen? Let's pray. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I'm going to do like Kyle, make you stand up. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, and praise you for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, thank you that tonight... Ended so much better than Sunday night. And we pray, Lord, that we can have that kind of peace all the time, Lord. And we pray that you would lead us and guide us and keep us in your faith, in your peace, Lord. Help us to walk in your love and your grace one with another. And help us all, Lord, to, to submit ourselves to your word and to your understanding, God. Knowing that you are the only one with all the answers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.